0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from the Jersey Shore in New Jersey. Welcome to the show, Gary Pinkerton.
1: Thank you so much, Victor. It's a complete honor. I've followed your show for quite a while, and obviously, we've spent some time floating around on some cruise ships together with real estate guys. Excited to uh, participate in this amazing, amazing. Uh, well-represented Joe.
0: Well, Gary, great to have you here. And yes, we've got to spend some great time together and develop a, a friendship and a kinship and would love, you've got such a unique story, both in terms of your journey through real estate, but a unique life story as well, that we'd just love to share with the listeners. So maybe the place to start is to give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey.
1: Absolutely, I would love to. So, I scare people a little bit when I start way back to childhood, but I don't spend much time there. I grew up on a dairy farm in the early 80s or 70s and early 80s, uh, high interest rates in America. And we ended up losing the farm when I was a sophomore in high school after much, much effort of my dad and myself to hold on to it. It actually kind of took his health, and he passed a couple years later. But as we left the farm, I learned a lot about entrepreneurship. We started all kinds of little businesses. Many of them were successful. Um, And as his health started to go downhill, I found myself in high school running my own businesses, three or four of them at a time, it seemed. And it was really inspiring for me, yet it was a struggle to keep our head above water. Um, And I got an opportunity as I was Graduating from high school, I had some uh, some mentors and, and professors who nudged me in a direction uh, to to apply for the Naval Academy and a couple of other places. I got in, and the Naval Academy offered me something no one else did, which was a free education. And I ran, and I was, to be frank, I was running from, you know, all of the stuff, uh, the economy and everything there uh, where I grew up in a in a small, wonderful young, wonderful small town. But the economy was destroyed from from interest rates at the time. And so I, I've, always ran, I've always moved around with a little bit of baggage with respect to uh, high interest rates and what they can do to, to personal finances, what they can do to a country. Uh, and, you know, that really brings me back to what I'm doing today. But on the way there, I spent 25 years uh, in the Navy Nuclear Submarine Force as a naval officer. Uh, I was on four different submarines and uh, spent a lot of time deployed in, in uh, foreign waters a lot of time working on that machine and growing my crew and learning about leadership. In the end, I commanded the USS Tucson, finished up there in 2011, and uh, finished my total time in the military in 2015. I spent some time on the chairman of the Joint Chiefs staff and back teaching ethics at the Naval Academy. A wonderful way to round out a a career where you started. Uh, But the main reason that in the end I left that was because... It's funny. I came full circle again. I think many of us do this in our lives, but I grew up thinking, uh, I don't want my kids to be poor. I don't want them to have hand-me-down clothes uh, or or to show up at school in a car that they're embarrassed of. And it was all the material things. Yet, I was uh, a young guy who spent all this time around his father, his primary mentor, which I think most people would say that their father or their mother was a primary mentor. And as I was finishing up command of my submarine, I realized I have two beautiful young men who at the time were not yet teenagers, but um, that I had not spent really much time around. And I wasn't passing what was really important. I was passing them plenty of money, but I wasn't passing what was really important, which was time around that most important mentor. So I gave up my career to get around my boys. And I found a love for real estate. And it took me a while to figure out why I was so impassioned about real estate. I'd lost a lot of money in 08 and 09 in the markets. Um, That scared me a little bit. But really why I was passionate, Victor, is because I like long-term fixed-rate mortgages that will offset the risk of inflation for my family. So I moved all my money over over a few years and um, have not looked back. It's been tremendous.
0: I love that story. And I love the heart-centered decision because, let's face it, after 25 years on one career path that's like making a hard left turn you know during the halftime show kind of like I did in my career you know I came out of the tech industry and spent most of my career designing microprocessors and eventually leading organizations that designed chips for all kinds of different applications in fact uh, I've got a chip that is a support chip to one of the microprocessors in the Raytheon Patriot missile. So that's, uh, you know, one of the chips that uh, that I worked on. And th- all kinds of different applications all over the world, and it was some of the most fun I've had in my career. And yet, at a certain point in time, I wasn't spending time with my family. I was flying back and forth to Tokyo every two weeks, building a new cellular network in Japan. And while it was professionally interesting and professionally stimulating, it was emotionally physically demanding and it was time to just make a change so uh, i honor you for making that decision if you fast forward to today when you make a change like that there's skills that you are uncertain about you've got all these skills that were very effective in one domain some are portable some are not how did you figure that out
1: yeah you know i i sought some advice for others who had gone before me uh, people that i respected that i maybe worked for while i was in the military um, Patrick Donahoe at, at Paradigm Life, um, obviously hadn't worked for him, but he was a financial mentor of mine starting back about the time I was leaving command of my submarine and was a very good friend at the time. So I, I talked with him about trying to center myself up career-wise, what I wanted to focus on, what I was most interested in. I had you know, the, the fortunate ability to, to choose what I wanted to do, not what paid the bills because I was leaving with a pension and had been a prodigious saver for many, many years. So I focused on what inspired me, but as far as those skills, you know, one of the things that I talk to a lot of military members about, and that I'm always surprised, and I think I was probably in this camp, we'd never written a resume before. We'd never worked in corporate America. We felt like maybe we were behind, but it could not be further from the truth. I mean, the skills that you learn in the military, surviving in the military are really, really highly desired skills. Like you show up on time, you're dependable, you're an ethical individual. Um, you, you focus on company before self; those things are going to carry you a really, really long time. I ended up starting my own company, working kind of alongside Patrick and his team. But that hard work ethic, uh, the desire to learn, and just putting your customers before yourself—things that you do learn—you know—in the military, and I think were were very, very important. The new skills I had to learn, well, everything about the industry, I knew I knew nothing about about marketing. I knew nothing about sales or how to run a business with bookkeeping and things. Those I all had to learn. But thankfully, I read a few books from a a guy named Robert Kiyosaki. And I listened to our friends, Robert and Russ, and they said, put a team around you. And so that's really what's been successful for me, Victor.
0: I love that. And uh, I mean, you mentioned a number of skills, but I think another one that you didn't mention that I'm sure is present, and that's this quality called grit, uh, learning how to handle stress, having the ability to manage that gap between expectations and reality and learning to accept the reality, even though your expectations might be different and adapt to the real situation on the ground is such a vital quality that I think people in senior levels in the military, many many levels in the military, develop that, whether it's by training, whether it's they have it innately one way or the other, it becomes a, a core quality.
1: Yeah, that's certainly true. You know, we would take our, our vessel and in this case, some, some units in the army, let's say, you know, get shipped somewhere or flown somewhere and they have to determine what their new environment is. We just took our home to our new environment and, and said, respond to whatever you see. So it was a very responsive, um, uh, you know, grit is certainly part of that. It's also just being innovative. You know, this broke on the ship. It's not like we can pull into Home Depot so, you know, we need to figure it out. And so that was certainly resiliency, grit were, were a big part of it. I'm not sure how you teach somebody to do that unless they've just kind of gone through it. But it is a good example you brought up of how to take your your, your strengths and apply them in a new situation.
0: You know, it's interesting. When I was back in my tech career, I interviewed a guy, uh, who was an electrical engineer working for me on a uh, chip design. And he had actually worked inside a top secret program for a dictator in the Middle East on a nuclear program. And I asked him, you know, one of the standard interview questions. I said, well, how do you handle stress? And he told me who his boss was. And he said, if I screwed up, I got shot. I can handle anything you can throw at me. Was his response. So uh, it's it it is definitely a different environment when you're working in corporate versus working in a military environment.
1: Yeah, and you're right. It helps set perspective, right? It kind of sets baseline for what bad really looks like. Um, You know, we've we've had a lot of people who, you know, thousands of people probably hundreds of thousands around the world that have become tremendously stressed out about being locked up in their house with active internet and food and water, and, you know, <laughs> and climate control and their families surrounding them. I think anyone who has gone through something like Auschwitz would say, that's actually heaven. That's not, you know, you know, this horrible situation that we've all made it out to be. Um, I mean, we've had riots in America because people have been told to do that. I know it's not the only issue, I think when you can set a much much higher perspective it allows you to kind of just ask the question seriously how bad can this one be?
0: Absolutely. So today what is your focus in your real estate business?
1: Yeah, so really I I talk about my real estate. I'm not I'm not really, you know what I would say active in in bringing investors in. Um I'm it's more kind of personal for me, but I like working with real estate investors on the financial services side. So I I work every day with clients in insurance-based financial services, but most of my clients are business owners and real estate investors. And really the reason is for all of the stuff that the real estate guys and and Kiyosaki talk about, that it is a long-term proven way to grow wealth over time. So for me, it's a place to save and grow money. I, I personally own mainly one to four families. I've branched out as more of a passive investor in mobile home parks, apartment buildings, and you know some self storage and some alternative energy. For me, again, it, it, it's about locking up money in a hard asset um, that will offset inflation and is less susceptible to the roller coasters of things like the markets and people's opinion. And I focus on kind of changing the world through my own business and and through podcasts and and things like that. So I, I learned something, Victor, when I was in the military that I, I thought I, I would. Title myself as a patriot, which you would probably think somebody thinks of themselves after you know thirty years in the military. What I really uh, would call myself is, is a believer in the two hundred fifty year old experiment that our founding fathers put in place, and and that's not about patriotism and the American flag as much as it is about. Uh, you know, life, liberty, and property rights for individuals. And, and so I'm, I'm a big, uh, I don't know if you call it inv- individualist, if you want to use Ayn Rand's words, but it's it's a person who believes that a little bit smaller government and freedom for people to allow them to create amazing things and share their genius with the world is what makes this world an amazing place. So I want to now focus on helping people put things and a primary part of this is, you know, like real estate, in the in the background so that it helps them make money while they're sleeping. So that if they want to be the best basket weaver on earth, do that because they have the freedom to do it. So I'm trying to help people get freedom to spend time with their families, to mentor those children and to, you know, focus on not having, not uh, dying with the music inside.
0: I love that. And, you know, it's easy to get political and talk about Being on one side of the aisle or the other, but I think one of the things that I heard in what you said, although you didn't use these words exactly, one of the core values that was present during the time that the Constitution was written, present up until, my goodness, certainly through much of this past century, but seems to be missing today, is this notion of personal responsibility. You know, we talk about rights, we, it's rights and responsibilities. They go hand in hand, they come together. And oftentimes people just talk about rights, but forget about that whole other side of the coin, which is responsibility, and in particular, personal responsibility.
1: That's very well said, Victor. You know, I, I many clients come to me looking for some security. right? They're, they're feeling insecure, which is why they start to talk to people about their, their finances. And there was a lot of insecurity in, you know, in 2020 in this crazy time. And what I try to get across to people is that in my opinion, in my experience, and in working with hundreds of people, security comes from within. It does not come from without. And so, there, you know, it's it's about that responsibility side. Like if you want to have security in your life, you have to take responsibility for the, the outcome of your life, for the future. Um, it's not about complaining or, or rioting about what others have done to you, what hand that has been dealt to you. But I don't know what famous gambler said this, but, you know, work with the hand you're dealt right? And, and take responsibility for it and move forward. And I would love to help anyone who's interested in doing that move their, their world forward for their family. I'm inspired to go do that. But the first step is they have to take responsibility. That was so well said.
0: So Gary, if folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way?
1: Yeah. Thank you, Victor. So it's just my name. So Gary Pinkerton dot uh, com or gary at garypinkerton.com i'm a pretty simple guy so um, you know you can you can learn more there and reach out to me that way you can find out some about me on the website as well this has been tremendous I, I appreciate you asking that
0: well, fantastic well Gary thank you for the wisdom and for sharing your journey with us and for the listeners at home definitely reach out to gary at garypinkerton.com that's spelled P-I-N-K-E-R-T-O-N. and have an awesome Rest of your weekend, go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.